Sure. You know, I had a, a good friend, uh, and, and I got to say that I'm, I don't claim to be Republican. I don't claim to be Democrat. I don't claim to be independent. I vote for whoever, uh, I don't care what party you claim to be, what religion you claim to be, or any of the rest of that stuff. What are you going to do for me? That's what I want to know. And uh, I had this friend of mine, he's, he's this last presidential election, he's, he's asking me, you know, he's like, I'm just, I just don't know who to vote for. You know, I don't know what to do, and I'm this, that, and the other. And I said, well, dude, it's real simple. I said, if you stop and really look at it, the, the whole ball of wax, your district for Texas, your reps and senator issues, you know, for, for the federal level, the presidential race, maybe a couple of different local issues that are on the ballot, maybe some state issues, ballot, you know, or some, some different things they've got to vote on, uh, bond maybe for your school district. That's about it. There's probably between 10 and 15 things out of all the stuff you're seeing in the news, right, that actually pertain to you. So get a piece of paper, make a list of the things that pertain to you and the candidates that pertain to you. And then one Saturday afternoon, you and your wife have a lovely tool that we have today called a computer with internet service. And you sit down and you look up their websites, each one, see what they say on their website. Forget about what's in the media and on the news. See what they're saying that they support on their website and go, okay, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. I like this gal. I don't like that gal, you know. I said, in an hour or two, you will have decided who you're going to vote for and everything that pertains to you. And I said, you'll feel good about it when you're done. Yeah. You know, and it's probably two weeks after the election. And uh, we crossed paths again. And he said, hey, man, you know, I, we did what you said. He said, and you're right. It really only took us about 45 minutes. And uh, we knew exactly who we supported and who we didn't. He said, and the funny thing is, he said, I thought I was a Republican. He said, but I, it's 50-50. I voted for 50% Democrats and 50% Republicans. I said, bingo. I said, if the rest of this country would do that, we'd get rid of that gridlock up there in Washington. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're so right. Hey y'all, welcome back to Gramps Place, where I have the conversations everyone wants to have. We talk about all things government, economics, cannabis law reform, social equity, and politics to name just a few. I talk with doctors, scientists, researchers, patients, and more, where you can get the information you need to make an educated decision. This week, I'm joined by the executive director and co-founder of Ground Game Texas, the organization behind the city-by-city -city ballot initiatives to decriminalize cannabis in Texas. Julie Oliver tells us how she became inclined to start this movement to at least try to instill some change at the local level on this issue and more. Let's meet Julie and hear about their work and how they have already had one major success. 
Hello, Julie, and thank you for joining me here on Grant's Place. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You are, correct me if I'm wrong, the founder of Ground Game Texas? I am. I'm the executive director and I should say co-founder because there were two um, who kind of had this this brainchild of, of how do we continue to do year-round organizing around really popular issues, especially, you know, cannabis in our state. It seems that every state around us um, has been able to figure something out when it comes to cannabis reform except our state. So we are... The both of us got together about a year ago and said, why don't we just start doing ballot initiatives across our state? And if the state won't do anything and the feds won't do anything, we'll just make it a local issue. Let cities deal with it. Sure, sure. I love the idea. Uh, so is that the primary mi mission, but not the only mission of Ground Game is the cannabis movement? or? Well, it's, you know, pretty much any popular any popular progressive issue that um, has broad bipartisan support, but we're not seeing any movement on at the state level um, or the federal level. I mean, another example of this, we, we in South Texas, we're doing ballot initiatives on $15 minimum wage for city employees. South Texas is one of the poorest parts of Texas, and mm -hmm. it's, it's supported by an overwhelming majority of people. But unfortunately, we're not seeing any movement on it, again, at state level or the federal level. So we're taking it directly to the people. We call it direct democracy. I always call it Texas Two-Step because every one of our ballot initiatives requires us to collect a certain number of signatures. And then once we collect the right number, then the city council will say, schedule it for the next general election ballot. And you've got to go back and vote. So it's signing it and then going back to vote. Texas mm -hmm. Two-Step. Yeah, that's, that's an appropriate name. Yeah. <laughs> So what cities have you been successful so far in Texas with the, with the cannabis ballot initiatives? Well, I live in Austin and my co-founder, Mike Siegel, also lives here and we started in Austin. And it was a way, um, a place where we could, you know, kind of figure out what the kinks were, what works, what doesn't. When you're trying to collect, well, you have to collect and turn in 20,000 good verified signatures. That means folks who are registered to vote in the city. Um, you always need a cushion above that. We ended up collecting 34,000 signatures, but that was our wow. first city. And May 7th of this year, we actually voted on it and it passed overwhelmingly. And I, and I should explain what that entails. It's not legalization. That can yeah. still only come from the state level. What we're doing is taking a ballot initiative, um, getting folks to sign it on decriminalizing misdemeanor amounts of possession so that the a, a typical person who has uh, you know, up to, and it is up to four ounces under state law, that's still a misdemeanor. Um, if a person has up to four ounces on them, they aren't going to be subjected to citations or arrests in the city. Now, it doesn't affect um, what happens at the county level or again, the state level, but at least within that jurisdiction, that police department uh, is basically ordered, please stop issuing citations or arresting people for misdemeanor amounts. And there are exceptions. If somebody is a drug dealer, and the police have been investigating this person and that drug dealer has misdemeanor amounts on them, they can still investigate and they can still, you know, cite and arrest. But for just the typical um, either medicinal user or, or recreational user, uh, it means if you come to the city of Austin, APD is not going to give you a citation or arrest you for having, you know, a single joint on you. That, yeah, that was going to be my next question was to clarify exactly what these initiatives do. Now that, uh, 
that being that being said the they will confiscate whatever you have and, and et cetera et cetera correct that is correct now i what i would like to see is this come back um and do a, a civil asset forfeiture ban in the city of boston and that would include misdemeanor amounts of marijuana so that they couldn't confiscate your personal amounts um you know it's there, there's a real problem especially if you have and this has happened i've talked to an attorney who represents a lot of growers in the states that surround Texas, but they come to Texas with a tremendous amount of cash on their person because this is still by and large an unbanked industry. Mm -hmm. And um, if they get pulled over by a police officer and the police officer sees a large amount of cash, they can confiscate it. And um, and the attorney was telling me, you know, the growers are really smart. They never They never travel with product in their car but because they are unbanked, they do have a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, every state around us has done something when it comes to cannabis reform. Ours hasn't. But if somebody's traveling here, you know, law enforcement can pull them over, take the cash. And if they had misdemeanor amounts of, of marijuana, they could take that as well. But I'd like to see a civil asset forfeiture ballot initiative that prohibits law enforcement from doing that as well. Sure. Of course, uh, I'll go a step further and say I'd like to see uh, the state level ballot initiatives be reinitiated and given back to the people as they were so wrongfully taken away many years ago. But I that's a whole nother subject. Oh my gosh, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, when Mike and I were looking at um, doing these ballot initiatives, what really caught my eye a year ago was looking at all of the ballot initiatives in other states that passed with overwhelming majorities and like. Florida passed the $15 minimum wage with 61% of the vote. Nebraska reformed payday loans, the most predatory form of lending. Um, and uh, I think it passed with 82% of the vote. Uh, Montana, South Dakota uh, legalized marijuana for one state for recreational use, one for medicinal. And then you had a number of states uh, uh, expand Medicaid in their states. So Kentucky, Oklahoma, Missouri, all expanded Medicaid. So there are these incredibly popular issues that are very popular with voters. And given a chance, the voter would absolutely vote in favor of it. But the people that they elect aren't doing that once they get elected. So I love the idea of direct democracy, which is what ballot initiatives are. But in our state, as you alluded to, we don't have that right at the statewide level. Uh, it's yeah. been minimized to just certain cities in our state, not every city even has the power of the ballot initiative. Some cities, their city councils have, when they've done charter amendments, have taken that away. And, you know, a lot of people aren't reading through every charter amendment in their city, the charter amendments like the constitution. But if they can slide it in there that we're going to take away your ballot initiative, right? You may live in a city where you can't do what we're doing in other cities. Yeah, it, it's it's you know I've studied politics and and the whole that whole game as I call it for decades uh, before I got involved in the whole cannabis industry after losing my son to epilepsy in 2016. Uh, that was like my niche was politics, government, economics, the whole yeah. ball of wax, and 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 what the vast majority of people don't understand is there's an awful lot of that slided in there stuff going on. You so, know? Yeah. Really the biggest reason why we have such gridlock today, because each party is against all the slided in there that the other side's doing, you know, right. it's not necessarily the issue at hand. 
the main issue, whatever this bill is, it's all the, the side notes they're trying to attach to it. That, that right. It all side the derails. The margins, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I wholeheartedly agree. It's, you know, um, it is funny how, or it's not funny like ha ha funny, but interesting how sure. um, as a parent, we're going to be pulled into things because of our kids. And for you, it was the, the loss of your son. And I'm so sorry. I can't imagine how devastating that is. Um, I don't know if you know this. I ran for Congress a couple of times and I had no business running for Congress. In fact, I looked at my husband and said, I have a crazy idea that I need you to talk me out of. But it's because <laughs> I, have, I also have a son. He's got an immune deficiency and, and heart problems. And the thought of him losing health care. And trust me, I know the Affordable Care Act is not a perfect piece of legislation it's mm -hmm. but if you're lucky enough to have insurance and your kids are still on your insurance you don't want that to go away especially if they have something like a heart condition sure. so um i looked at my husband when they were debating getting rid of it and i said i've, I've got to jump in i mean this, my my son's life is at stake and so sometimes our you know we'll, we'll step out of our comfort zones in a massive way for our children um, to try to do what's right and, and to try to help other families. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this. Well, you know, uh, all I want to do, my my goal in all of this is uh, I just don't want anybody else to have to wake up every morning the way I do. I mean, that's my goal is, is that you shouldn't have something out there that we know, and now I do know, the, the evidence is there. I've read the evidence. I've met the hundreds and hundreds of people right here in the United States uh, that are using cannabis for epilepsy successfully. Uh, and it done away with all pharmaceuticals, completely yeah. gone, you know. And, and so that tells me that I have to continue till this is available for everybody. And, of course, I've learned to... Uh, Throughout the last six years, how could you not learn more, right? I've learned about all the various things with cancer and, and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's. And there's just so many things, PTSD. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's just insanity that we still have to fight this fight, especially in a, tech, a state that's supposed to be for the people like Texas claims to be. But anyway, that's a whole nother ball game. <laughs> it is indeed. So I have to ask, uh, what what are the hopes of ground game by making these moves at the local level? What's what's your the end game that you're shooting for? Well, I think it's twofold. Uh, one is to actually enact these popular ideas that an overwhelming majority of Texans want, like cannabis legalization. Eighty seven percent of Texans want to see it legalized at least at a minimal a minimum for, for medicinal use. Um, and then you still have a, an, a, an overwhelming majority that want it for recreational. And um, so that's that's one of the, the reasons behind this. The second reason is what I saw when I looked at that, uh, that post-mortem report of the 2020 election that showed all these ballot initiatives and how they pulled out people to vote. Um, and so that's what I'm also hoping for. You know, 2020, November of 2020 was a monumental year in terms of elections, not just because I was running. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's a presidential year, right? 
Mm-hmm. And a lot was going on in our country and we're trying to climb out of, you know, this pandemic we had been in and um, 5.7 million people in Texas who were registered to vote didn't vote. And I can tell you, I know some of the reasons, I know there are truly some some barriers to voting. Um, having a district that spanned over 7,000 square miles of Texas and spanned 13 counties, I know that there are the counties that will have one polling location. And so you're driving an hour and a half on your break at work to go vote. And guess what? You arrive and it's shut down. We'll, we're, we'll be back in an hour. I mean, that's very real. That might be your only day to go vote and and the only time. So um, what I'm hoping is that people will hope, you know, try again to carve that um, that moment of their day into their schedule where they can go vote, not just for a popular issue, but hopefully for the people who support that popular issue, sure. because there are some people who definitely don't. So and they're running for office, but there are a lot of people who are running for office who support uh, cannabis legalization. And I have to be honest, I think it's it's not only the right thing to do in terms of policy, it's the ec- economically the right thing to do. Um, you know, I, for all the people who want to come back and say, well, it's, it's, what about that one study, that NIH study, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, we can never, even the, the researchers of that one study said that we don't have enough information because we can't do actual studies in our country. We have to look at what's available from other countries. And so we're not going to know the good, the bad, and the ugly until we take it off the schedule one and legalize it. And, um, and I do think that there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of it. And I think there probably is going to be some stuff that we discover. Wait, wait a second. And this, and this dosage, this is not right for this person. But you learn that with respect to any other drug, any other pharmaceutical, you learn what the right dosages are. There are bad dosages of some really great drugs, but you put too much in it and it's going to be very, very harmful. doesn't mean the drug is bad. It means that dosage is bad, but we can't even study dosage until it's legalized. So um, I would love, honestly, I would love if Ground Game Texas was, you know, we're a nonprofit, but put out of business, so to speak. Because we're actually implementing all of these ideas at our state level. And we have people who, who are elected who care about this and listen to parents like you and parents like me. And um, so that would be my hope and my dream. We're put out of business because our state has finally said, yeah, we're going to we're going to give that a shot. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always go back to and it's it's one of the first things that I found uh, actually the day of William's service. Uh, we we had an hour and a half drive back here, and uh, my current wife and I did not say two words to each other the entire drive home because the last conversation I had before we got in the truck was with William's mother, and we she's a paramedic by trade, and she is like straight and arrow, straight as an arrow, uh, never really drank or anything surely never used any cannabis or any other kind of drugs and uh to the point of even natural childbirth was her thing right so no drugs allowed period and uh, she had come up to me right as we were getting ready to leave and said you know i I talked to him and i I tried to get him to, to try some marijuana and i said well wait a minute you know but that conversation got the wheels turning so that's they just turned all the way home so when I got home, I changed clothes and I sat down here and searched 
marijuana slash epilepsy. And the first thing I found that intrigued me was a clinical study completed in the United States of America. It's they, they treated five uh, epileptic children with extracts of marijuana or cannabis that had a better than 50% success rate than the other medications that were available at the time. And this was in 1947. Wow. So they knew this whole time. And yeah. So that that's always been my testimony when... I go to Austin or even D.C. is, is we knew, you know. Yeah. We knew. Right. It's, it's just insane. Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. You know, for a lot of people who still believe that marijuana is the gateway drug, I don't. Mm. Um, I do believe OxyContin is a gateway drug, and that has been legalized in our in our country. And in fact, the the pushers of OxyContin have really not been held to account for the. I think if we're not at a million deaths in our country from OxyContin, we're pretty darn close. I know it's in the, it's over nine hundred thousand. Um, and to date, I'm I'm not really aware of anybody overdosing on marijuana. No, I, I haven't heard of anything worldwide in history. So I haven't either. Yeah, it's it's like I say, it's insanity. That's the only way I know to explain it. Uh, my one of my favorite hashtags I use all the time is hashtag Stop the Insanity. What was the name? Susan something. Or is it stop the insanity or stop the madness? I can't remember. Yeah. 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 Both of those are are two that I use quite frequently. Yeah. What are, tell us some of the ways that that people can get involved with Ground Game. Well, we um, love volunteers. I will say that because a lot of what we're doing, we are a nonprofit. So a lot of what we're doing um, in these cities, we can be managed by paid canvassing. But in some of the cities, there's no budget for paid canvassing, so we do. Um, we ask volunteers to help us. Um, we are a nonprofit, so we'd love donations as well. Uh, we have a 501c3, so if you need the tax deduction, you can donate through our 501c3. We also have a 501c4. I will say one of the really um, great things about getting folks to sign a petition and giving you their current information is you can actually find out if they're registered to vote at the address that they have listed on that petition. And if they're not, we can help them get registered to vote, which has been just a really wonderful collateral benefit. Um, th- I think of Austin as being a really very, uh, very registered city. We have some of the best statistics when it comes to voter registration, but even out of the 34,000 signatures we gathered, over 4,000 of them were folks who were not registered at the address in Austin. Um, some of them not registered at all in the state of Texas, but hmm. some of them, registered somewhere in Texas, but not at that Austin address. So we can help them get registered to vote so that they aren't disenfranchised when they go on election day and the election judge says, do you live at 3500 Werner? And they're like, yes, I do. Um, And some people are are met with, no, I moved from Galveston like six months ago. And and, um, they cast a provisional ballot at that point, which as you and I probably know, doesn't get count unless there is a recount of votes 
And at that, it's only uh, your votes only matter uh, at the state, pretty much at the state level. If you move from Galveston to Travis County, there's not much overlap in other um, congressional districts or state legislative or Senate districts. So you're just talking about statewide races where your your yep. vote can count. But yep. yeah. Uh, do you think we will ever see full legalization in Texas? Full legal, yes, I do. I think it, I think it will come. Um, I think it'll come in steps. I think we'll sure. do medicinal first um, b before recreational. I don't think they're going to make the giant jump from you know, uh, you know, totally illegal to fully recreational. I think it'll come in phases, and and we've got that. We've seen the um, the state legislature you know start phasing in compassionate use. Although I will say that I've I've talked to a number of people who've moved from states that had medicinal programs. And they are shocked and astonished how little the uh, compassionate use does for their ailments in Texas. Yeah. Um, veterans specifically. Um, veterans are have been near and dear to my heart since I started running. Eh, not the least of which my brother and my dad are veterans as well. But I, when I ran for office, um, Colleen and Coppers Cove in my district. Huge veterans communities. And I'll tell you, they were constantly asking me, if you get elected, can you please get uh, uh marijuana removed from schedule one. And um, so I will say our compassionate use program for a lot of people is not enough. Yeah. So people eventually get to full medical. There is, you know, the current Lieutenant governor has said that he does not support a medicinal, um, a full medicinal legalization. And so I think it's going to be challenging to get something for a floor, to a floor vote in the Senate, which we would have to have to have a medical program. Mm -hmm. He certainly is not in favor. He will say straight up, he will never do uh, recreational. Yeah, he said straight up, he will never do anything as far as smokable products. He's never going to do any kind of decriminalization. Uh, there's a whole list of things that he said. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as much as I love Texas, uh, been here most of my life, but I'm telling you, when people in Texas have the kind of power they have and have the opinions that that man has, uh, that's a problem. And I don't. It doesn't matter what party you're you're you you call yours in in that respect. He abuses that power to his own persona and his own wants and desires, not that of the people, which is what he was elected to serve. That's my opinion. But anyway, <laughs> when you've got 87 percent of Texans in favor of legalization. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is it's willful ignorance or it's willful obstruction, neither of which are good on his part. Um, and, and the evidence is there that it is a popular issue. The evidence is there also that this can be a very, very helpful um, remedy for many people. And so if you're choosing to ignore the evidence, that is choosing to live in ignorance. Well, he, he actually was quoted a few months back by a good friend. I'm sure you know him, David Bass. Yeah. Uh, when he asked him point blank about legalizing cannabis in Texas a few months back at some campaign event and he said, I oh, just, you know, the people aren't there. The people of Texas aren't there yet. Dude, are you paying attention to the polls? Because 
better than 50% was for it when I got in this game six years ago. And uh, it has done nothing but go up since yeah. then. So, uh, yeah, we've got a big decision to make. Uh, got my fingers crossed. Maybe we can flip some of those seats and get some different people with some different ideas. But uh, this is Texas. <laughs> it's Texas. And that's, again, if, we are, if we're in enough cities, maybe we can get inspire people to come out. And I'll tell sure. you, you know, Ground Game is most definitely going to put together a scorecard that, you know, educates people as well. Like these, this is the issue that's going to be on the ballot. And these are the candidates that support this issue. And yeah. but if they were elected at the state, they would do something. If they were elected at the federal level, they'd do something. So, you know, helping connect those dots for voters um, is, is really important to me. And again, I think we've got so many non-voters and infrequent voters. I look at them as a huge opportunity for us. Um, we just have to educate them. And if we just yeah. give them something that they can take in and look at and say, yes, I am totally in favor of this and I'll vote for these people because they're in favor of it too. I, I really do think we could see change. Sure. You know, voter guides are, are an excellent tool. Uh, you know, I had a, a good friend and coworker. Uh, and, and I got to say that I'm, I don't claim to be Republican. I don't claim to be Democrat. I don't claim to be independent. I vote for whoever has the best ideas that suit what I want and need, right? I could care less about anything else. Uh, I don't care what party you claim to be, what religion you claim to be, or any of the rest of that stuff. What are you going to do for me? That's what I want to know. And uh, I had this friend of mine, he's, he's this last presidential election, he's, he's asking me, you know, he's I'm just... I just don't know who to vote for. You know, I don't know what to do. And I'm this, that, and the other. And I said, well, dude, it's real simple. I said, if you stop and really look at it, the, the whole ball of wax, your district for Texas, your reps and senator issues, you know, for, for the federal level, the presidential race, Maybe a couple of different local issues that are on the ballot, maybe some state issues, ballot, you know, or some some different things they've got to vote on. Uh, bond, maybe for your school district. That's about it. There's probably between 10 and 15 things out of all the stuff you're seeing in the news, right, that actually pertain to you. So get a piece of paper, make a list of the things that pertain to you and the candidates that pertain to you. And then one Saturday afternoon, you and your wife have a lovely tool that we have today called a computer with internet service. And you sit down and you look up their websites, each one, and you can see what they say on their website. Forget about what's in the media and on the news. See what they're saying that they support on their website and go, okay, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. I like this gal. I don't like that gal. You know, I said in an hour or two, you will have decided who you're going to vote for and everything that pertains to you. And I said, you'll feel good about it when you're done. Yeah. You know, and that was the end of the conversation. And it's probably two weeks after the election. And uh, we crossed paths at work again. And he said, hey, man, you know, I, we did what you said. He said, and you're right. It really only took us about 45 minutes. And uh, we knew exactly who we supported and who we didn't. He said, and the funny thing is, 
He said, I thought I was a Republican. He said, but I, it's 50-50. I voted for 50% Democrats and 50% Republicans. I said, bingo. I said, if the rest of this country would do that, we'd get rid of that gridlock up there in Washington. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're so right. I'm like, I remember a time. Once upon a time, I grew up when, you know, folks worked across the aisle to get things done. Now, I mean, we're Absolutely. sneaking things in. Don't get me wrong. They're still sneaking things into the margins. But at least they work towards towards resolution, real problem resolution. And we don't have that. And no, if, if, people could, if people could put aside the R and the D, you know, the blue and the, the red, if they could put that aside, we all want the same basic things. We sure do. We just got a little bit different ideas how to get there. And we, like you say, we used to talk about them. Now all we do is point the finger at the other side. That's right. Right. And I think at least half of it, like, in, for instance, in the, the subject of federal cannabis legalization, uh, this is my thought process. Because it's not a, it's not a partisan issue. Not there, at is all. Su- there is support on both sides, and it's pretty much equal from what I see. But when this side holds the presidency, the other side says, ah, we can't be for it. We can't let them have that. Right. And the same thing when it's the other way around. Yep. Pretty much the same thing with just about every important matter out there. Yeah, you don't want to let them get, you know, it's, um, I always say people put on their jerseys and they refuse to take them off, even when it's really, really detrimental. And it's like, they're not even going to let them get a, you know, a field goal. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just like, no way. You're not getting anything by me. I, I can't have you... I can't have you win. I can't have you get a, any sort of anything that looks like you've got a leg up on me. And I'm like, oh, my God, y'all don't understand that there are so many people who are just hurting right now in mm. incredible ways, all because you think it's more important that your jersey appears strong and yeah. makes the other people look weak. Yeah. And you're right. It's it's. You know, I blame the media for a lot of it. No. Uh, I do too. I think, I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, I feel like the media will report like chicken little said the sky is falling. I'm like, Oh, gotta go. even though breaking news, <laughs> even though every other side does it, the, the sky is firmly up in the atmosphere. It's, there's no risk of it coming down. Well, wait a second. Chicken little said the sky is falling. So let's go, let's cut over there. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's not, it's, sensationalism because it gets the clicks well just such a sad that's, state of affairs that's the thing when i was a kid you know of course we didn't have remote controls they didn't exist and uh we had three channels in here in the dfw metroplex we had five and eight <laughs> yes and and uh the news came on like at six in the morning five or six in the evening and at nine or 10 at night, those three times, 30 minutes. And that was it. You got a little bit of national, a little bit of local, a little weather, a little sports at night, you know, and that was the end of it. Johnny Carson or whoever came on afterwards. And, uh, I mean, I, when cable news started, the 24 hour news business started, that was the beginning of the end. Because that's when it became about ratings. And the minute it became about ratings, 
and advertising instead of news and information, which is what it's supposed to be, they lost it. And it's gone, done nothing but gone downhill since. But we're not going to solve the news media problem. <laughs> not tonight, at least. No, not just the two of us, for sure. In your opinion, I got to ask, in your opinion, what are some things besides getting involved with organizations like yours that people can do to push the narrative on, on this subject and others? I think running for office is we need good people to run for office. We really do. And and I think that's one of the best ways to serve your community. You don't have to run for Congress, you don't have to run for president, but running for county commissioner, running for city council, um, those are incredibly important positions. And I and doing this work that I'm doing now, I realize that so much can be accomplished at the local level. In fact, far more is accomplished at the local level. I mean, think about, um, you know, your roads, your parks, your trash pickup, you know, where do you want the police to focus their attention? Do you want them to focus their attention on some, you know, pimply faced, you know, 20 year old who has a joint on them? Or would you rather them actually solve real crime? I vote for the latter. Um, you know, so, so much of that is happening in counties in Texas. I, I didn't realize this until I actually, before I ran for Congress, I was in healthcare finance for 15 years. Counties make huge decisions on healthcare spend. Um, you, if you live in Dallas County, you're in a healthcare district. Tarrant County has a healthcare district. Travis County and San Antonio, El Paso, Houston. Little uh, uh, Bosque County has a healthcare district and we're collecting property taxes into those healthcare districts and trying to trying to get some reimbursement, some matching reimbursement from the federal level on Medicaid since since we didn't expand Medicaid. But so many people don't know that their county taxes pay for health care in our state. And so this is one of the most important areas I think that somebody could commit service to is, is by running um, for a local office and doing it well, you know, getting out there, talk to people, knock on their door. It's not that scary. Um, it's, you know, I found, I well, for me personally, I found it one of the most meaningful things that I could do is is talk to somebody at their door and not at their front porch. Um, but I think aside from that, you know, doing what you did with your friend at work, your coworker saying, hey, take 45 minutes out of your day and go look. I'll give you a sample ballot. Tell me your address. I will find print the sample ballot and then you go down and look at the candidates on your sample ballot and see which one speaks to you. Um, helping other people do that is a huge service. I find that people now always come to me and say, well, who should, who should I vote for? You know, all these people. And I, I've gotten to know a lot of the people, right? Sure. And so I know the, you know, kind of the behind the scenes details that aren't necessarily always on, on websites. Um, helping people in primaries, that's huge. You're either voting only for a Republican ticket or you're voting only for a Democratic ticket. So who should I vote for? And that's one of the most important elections, I think, in our state. Yeah. If you're all concerned that we've got crazy people when it comes to November, it's because of what happens in March. Yep. And so many people sit it out. I'll, I'll, I remind people because I found this statistic astonishing. When Greg Abbott was elected in 20, um, reelected in 2018, he won the primary. I don't even know if he had a primary challenger. I think he ran unopposed, but he got yeah, I don't remember. 
of registered Texans vote. 9% of all registered Texans voted for him in March of 2018. He then went on, you know, because he was a Republican in Texas, he obviously went on to win in 2018 the, the governorship. But I always look back, it's like, it was that 9% of Texans who determined who our governor was yeah. going to be. So if you think that that is an unacceptable uh, number of people who decide who our president is or who our governor is or who our senators are, get out and vote in the primary. And if you um, don't know, research and then start helping others do the same. It's an yeah. incredibly important service to that's that's the number one thing people I, I tell people all the time and have for over 50 years. If you don't vote, you really don't have any room to complain. Right. Because uh, you're not doing your part. And you're giving, you're basically saying, I relinquish my voice. I relinquish my opinions to the person who actually did go vote and picked maybe not the person I would have in a million years picked. Yep. But I relinquish all of that to them because it will happen because somebody will care enough to go vote who is the polar opposite of you. <laughs> They'll go do yeah, it. Absolutely. We got off on a tangent there. I'm <laughs> completely off of what we were talking about. <laughs> but anyway. We're coming so, full talking <laughs> about marijuana again. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us where people can find Ground Game Texas. We have um, a website, groundgametexas.org, O-R-G, uh, and everything is spelled out, Ground Game Texas. Uh, we also have, it's only because I have only have three types of social media. I've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and we're, I think every one of those, we are at Ground Game TX on each one of those. I am not a TikToker, although I do appreciate a, when somebody shows me a good TikTok, I can appreciate it. I just sure. have no idea how to do it. So, but, so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, good deal. Well, I want to thank you, Julie, for coming on and telling us all about your work at Ground Game Texas and thank letting you. us know where you can find us and how people can get involved. It's been enlightening. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to get to do this. So thank you for sharing your, your time and your, your platform with me. Absolutely. Grand Place, the podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.